Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The 2020 MLB season will be won like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Warm hello, welcome to the Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be joined by Danny Burke of the Vegas Sites and Information Network. We're going to be talking about all the underdogs that we wound up seeing hit over the weekend. We're also going to be talking to him about the games that are going to be coming up for Monday and just anything that he's noticing from a trend standpoint in baseball and just what he has been doing with regards to situational betting as well. So we're going to have a good chat there in the final segment. Going to give you guys a sign total on every game on Monday's MLB betting board and a little something you like to call. Touch them all. First things first. Always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If there is something that you'd like answered here on the Baseball Bang Podcast, fire that into my Twitter timeline at JarenScorty1. If you send these via direct message, well, those letters DM to me me does not matter. You could also send in a review via Apple Podcasts and submit a comment slash question, what have you there, because if you wind up rating five stars on Apple Podcasts, you give this podcast more exposure. That is always appreciated, and I'm able to do what I do a little bit easier, and you still get your questions answered. Did not get in anything today, but we did have a very wild day of MLB baseball on Sunday, so let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Unders and Shane Bieber starts continue to do very well as the Cleveland Indians wind up taking down the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of 4-1. Bieber only goes five innings in this one, but he punches 
pitches out 10, so if you've taken his strikeout prop, that is it every time so far this year. Eight out of his nine starts have went under, and then from there, the Cleveland Indians bullpen was solid. Phil Mayton, Dominic Leon, Nick Wickren, and Brad Hand all pitch a scoreless setting for the Milwaukee Brewers. This is just a team that... They can't get anything going with men in scoring position. They actually went 2 of 7 with that regard, but they wind up leaving 8 men on base for Brett Anderson. Not his most terrific start of the year. He gives up 4 runs over the course of 5 innings. Bullpen from there. Eric Yardley, Josh Lindblom, who I believe he's having his start for his time in the rotation beyond an off day, so they wound up having him come out of the bullpen for an inning. Drew Rasmussen and Alex Claudio were able to hold down the fort for 3 scoreless innings there, but once again, Cleveland just continues to be an under machine. The top team out there in Major League Baseball when it comes to under so far this year has been the Minnesota Twins, but they were the victims of a big upset as they allow a 10 spot to the Detroit Tigers. 10-8 the final. The Tigers are able to get the win in this one. For the Tigres, you had Casey Myers come into this game, and he gave up quite a few runs. Three of them over the course of four innings. From there, Ronnie Garcia gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. And then John Schreiber, along with Kyle Funkhauser, they give up a combined two runs in three and a third innings before Brian Garcia is able to close the door. But for the Detroit Tigers, they were able to rally, and they were able to rally hard. They were giving a start to Sergio Alcantara, and he gets his first career home run. Grayson Griner goes deep in the eighth off of Sergio Romo, his third of the campaign, and also getting his third, Willie Castro. As for the Minnesota Twins, this is a team with a top-five bullpen ERA in the big leagues for the year, but bullpen in this one was not terrific. Rich Hill, solid start. He gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Bullpen from there. They give up eight runs, seven of which were earned over the course of four innings, including Sergio Romo giving up a home run. Trevor May winds up giving up three runs over the course of two-thirds of an inning. And for the Minnesota Twins, they leave ten men on base, so they were able to get a home run off the bat of Eddie Rosario. It was ninth and out of the fold in this one was Nelson Cruz for rest. A team that has been very rested when it comes to the bats because they just haven't been doing too much with them. The Arizona Diamondbacks and they get taken down by the San Francisco Giants by a count of 42. For the Giantes, they wind up getting a solid start out of Johnny Cueto. He had to evade a lot of danger as in five and two-thirds innings, he gives up seven hits, three walks, and a home run, but he gives up just two runs in the process. From there, you end up having Tony Watson along Tyler Rogers. Caleb Barjar all come in and be able to do a solid job along Jarlin Garcia. Three and a third innings of scoreless baseball there for the San Francisco Giants. One of the few home unders that we've seen them play so far this year, but they were able to get a trio of home runs. You had Chadwick Trump and Donovan Solano get their third home run of the season, and then Brandon Belt is seventh as for the Arizona and the Diamondbacks. Alex Young was not great, but he wasn't terrible in this one. He gave up two of those home runs, three runs over the course of five and a third innings. And then from there, you have You Don't Mess With the Yoan Lopez give up a run over the course of an inning as well. Junior Guerra was able to come in for a scoreless appearance as well, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they have scored three runs or fewer, and now I believe 15 out of their last 18 games. They strand eight men on base. They wind up selling off the Marte Parte. It is not going well there. For the Houston Astros, it's also not going well as they wind up losing three straight to the LA Angels. Nine to five, the final list one for the Houston Astros. Actually, a solid display of power here. You have Ledme Diaz go deep for his second home run in the campaign. Kyle Tucker is eighth, and Carlos Correa is fourth. But for the Houston Astros, because they wound up using so many of their bullpen pieces in their double dip loss on Saturday, they wind up having to go to Frame Barveldez for seven innings in Sunday's loss, and he winds up giving up eight runs in the process. Chris Stavinsky and Brooks Raley give up a combined one run over the course of an inning as well. Now for the LA Angels, a team that has been massively disappointing this year, they get a home run off the bat of Anthony Rendon, his eighth of the season, and the team goes four of ten with runners in scoring position. I mean, but he has actually been a solid starter for this team. He gives up two home runs, he gives up three total runs over the course of five innings, and then from there, Felix Pena gives up two runs out of the bullpen, but by and large, bullpen goes 
four innings, giving up two runs in the process. And all of a sudden, the LA Angels have something called a winning streak going. Yes, they have now won each other last four games, obviously, all against the Houston Astros. And for that matter, actually, each out of their last five as they were able to take a game from the San Diego Padres as well. The Seattle Mariners are starting to get on a run. Despite the fact that they were sellers at the trade deadline, they're actually not out of the playoff hunt. They wind up taking down the Walker Texas Rangers by a count of 4-3 to three for the Seattle Mariners. This is all of a sudden a bunch that has gotten on a little bit of a heater as they have won five straight games. And in this one for the Seattle Mariners, they did give up a couple solo home runs as going deep for the Texas Rangers. Ronald Guzman, his second of the season, along with Leotis Tavares, his second, and Joey Gallo, his eighth. But for the Seattle Mariners, Justin Dunn got her done. His third start against the Texas Rangers. I believe that he's went six innings in all of them. He gives up two runs on this outing. And then from there, Kendall Graveman did not wind up burying betters as he and Anthony Mashevich give a scoreless inning. And then you had coming out of the bullpen, Yoshi Hirano give up one of those home runs. But for the the Seattle Mariners. The Kyles were able to step up in this game as Kyle Seager and Kyle Lewis were both able to go deep. For Seager, his sixth home run of the season, and for Kyle Lewis, his ninth end. If you're looking at a little bit of a trend with the Seattle Mariners, they certainly have been playing quite a few unders recently as in each of their last five games, the under has either pushed or it has come through, so that has certainly been something interesting for the St. Louis Cardinals. They have been doing a great job as well recently as they wind up taking down the Chicago Cubs for the third straight time by kind of seven to three. And if you're taking a look in this series, the St. Louis Cardinals have been doing quite a solid job of being able to play some unders as you have seen the total either push or go under in each out of their last five games. So the Cardinals certainly getting some good pitching as in this one to go to Hudson. Did wind up giving up three runs early, but he gives up just the three runs over the course of five innings. And then from there, Genesis Cabrera along with Alex Reyes and Giovanni Gallegos were able to come in for a combined four innings, not giving up a single run. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt absolutely destroyed a ball off of John Lester, his fourth of the season. Tommy Edmond gets his second also off of Lester for Mr. Lester. Three and a third innings gives up five runs and the bullpen wasn't necessarily terrible for the Chicago Cubs. They wind up going in for five and two-thirds innings. You had Josh Osich give up two runs, but a variety of different guys wound up coming in and doing a solid job. But for this Cubs team, Jason Kipnis got a home run out of Dakota Hudson in third of the season and Anthony Rizzo was ninth. But after the third inning, this team just really ran out of steam. They didn't generate any offense whatsoever and this game died a lot for an under. The San Diego Padres are a team that is not dying down at all. They wind up taking down the Oakland A's by a count of 5-3. to three. For the Padres, they wind up being able to get a home run off the bat of Fernando Tatis Jr., his 15th of the season that leads the major leagues. And for the Padres, he has been up and down this year, but he winds up punching out 9. He gives up 3 runs over the course of 7 innings. He did give up a home run to Sean Murphy, a third of the campaign, but for Mike Straight Fires, well, he said Straight Fires here. Bankroll, if you wound up betting on the Oakland A's, he gives up three runs over the course of five innings. From there, TJ McFarland, Yasmero Petit both give up a run out of the bullpen. And for the Oakland A's, just nothing doing with men in scoring position. They went two of ten with that regard. And for the Padres, a team that has struggled with their bullpen, Trevor Rosenthal and Drew Pomerantz came out of the pen, and they were able to do a very solid job for you there. Another team doing a very solid job, that would be the Baltimore Orioles. After losing 19 straight to the New York Yankees, they're now on a three-game winning streak against the Yankees. 5-1 to the final. For the Yankees, they have now scored a combined five runs over their last three games. They go 0-6 with men in scoring position. Just nothing doing there. And for Masahiro Tanaka, he didn't necessarily get completely Tanaka around, but it wasn't terrific. He goes 5-3rd to third innings. He gives up in the process four runs, but only two of which were earned. I will say, the bullpen for this team did solid. 
Luis Sessa along with Nick Nelson. Two and two-thirds innings. They don't give up an earned run, but they give up one unearned run as Mike Ford and Miguel Anduar out there in the field both made errors. For the Baltimore Orioles, DJ Stewart had been doing nothing prior to this series. He now gets his third home run over his last two days. That came off of Tanakh in the first inning, his third of the campaign. And it was for the Baltimore Orioles, Dean Kramer, someone who I don't think had really started more than like five games at the AAA level. Six innings, and he gives up one hit in the process. From there, Tanner Scott, along with Corey Solzer and Hunter Harvey, were able to close the door. And for the Baltimore Orioles, all of a sudden, they're chasing down the New York Yankees for a playoff spot. I mean, what a bizarre world this is. And it's very bizarre to see the Washington Nationals defending champs do quite this bad. I thought that they would not necessarily do what they did in 2019, but they lose once again to the Atlanta Braves. And the three, the final list one for the Washington Nationals, Patrick Corbin, just has up in himself so far this year. He gives up five runs in five and a third innings, including a home run going deep off of him, was Mr. Marcelo Zuna, his 13th of the campaign. And then Freddie Freeman was able to go deep off of Kyle Finnegan for his seventh. As for Finnegan, he records one out and gives up those two runs. And then Dakota Backus gives up three runs in an inning as well for the Washington Nationals. Two of five with men in scoring position. They just weren't able to get a whole lot generated off of Josh Jomlin, who had been scuffling as a starter, but he gives up just one run over the course of six innings. Coming out of the bullpen and giving up two was Bryce Wilson. But by and large, the Atlanta Braves certainly getting it done, and the Washington Nationals certainly are not. Another team that is not getting the job done, that'd be the Philadelphia Phillies. They were winners of five straight games prior to the weekend, but they've now lost two straight. They still have one to their credit. 10 of their last 13, but they got destroyed in this one. 14-1 to the final. The New York Mets just handed it to them for the Philadelphia Phillies. Their lone bright spot in this one, Austin Knapp was able to get his first home run in the campaign. That was off of Mr. Jacob DeGrom, but for Aaron Supernola, he was far from super in this one. Now, three of the runs that he gave up were unearned as Alec Baum and Reese Hoskins both had an error out there in the field, and for Nola, he still got 10 strikeouts, but over the course of five and a third innings, he gave up six runs, three of which were earned, and then the bullpen was not good. Mauricio Lovera winds up making his major league debut, and it's not one that you'd like to remember. He now has a 36 ERA, giving up four runs over the course of an inning. Ethan Embry gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, and Blake Parker gives up three runs as well for the New York Mets. All the frustrations that they've had this year were taken out on the Philadelphia Phillies. Wilson Ramos gets his third home run of the campaign. Brandon Nimmo is sixth. Jeff McNeil is first. And Pete Alonso goes deep twice. His ninth and tenth of the season. And for Jacob deGrom, well, he continues to beat Jacob deGrom. If you're looking at your NL Cy Young race, he's got to be number one at this point. Twelve strikeouts over the course of seven innings. Brad Brock and Jason Shreve able to close the door from there. The Phillies have scored a combined two runs over their last two games. For the Toronto Blue Jays, they have scored much more than two runs over their last two games. They have, as a matter of fact, scored 18 runs in that time span, and they have scored at least eight runs in now three out of their last four games, at least six runs in four out of their last five. They take down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 10 to 8 for the Blue Jays. Well, Robbie Ray has yet to come around for this team. He goes four innings, gives up four runs, three walks. He did give up two home runs as well, and then from there, the bullpen of the Toronto Blue Jays, which has been pretty solid, wasn't necessarily terrific. Wilmer Font gave up a run. A.J. Cole, who wound up entering into this game with an ERA hovering right around one. He does give up three runs over the course of two-thirds of an inning. As for the Boston Red Sox, they were able to get some power out of Xander Bogarts, his seventh of the campaign. Jose Peraza, his first home run of the season. Kevin Pilecki gets his first as well, and then Bobby Dolbeck winds up getting his third, but for the Boston Red Sox, they wind up going with Andrew Triggs with the start, and it didn't necessarily go badly for him as he gave up one run over the course of three innings, but that meant that you got into the Boston Red Sox bullpen, and the bullpen, over the course of six innings, they gave up nine runs, all of which were earned, mostly due to Mr. Matt Hall. Matt Hall now is a 1989 ERA. When you've got an ERA that is one point lower than the year that my sister was born, 
That is not good. He gave up six runs while recording five outs. And then from there, you bring in Mr. Robinson Lear, who gives up three runs, and he records just one out in the process. Jeffrey Springs, Austin Bryce, Ryan Brazier, Marcus Walden all performed a scoreless inning for the team, but by then the damage had already been done, and for the Toronto Blue Jays, they wind up resting Randall Gritchick in this game, so he has been in and out of the fold along to Oscar Hernandez, but Danny Jansen gets his first home run of the season, and Rowdy Telez is starting to come around. He winds up being able to get his eighth. The Cincinnati Reds just have not come around all year long. They wind up losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 3-2 for the Reds. They get a very good start out of TJ Antone. He winds up giving up five hits and two walks, but he was able to evade danger, giving up just one run in the process. And then from there, Rossio Iglesias tries to come in for a multiple inning save. He winds up getting four outs. He gives up two runs, but only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a couple of errors out there in the field, but with that said, Amir Garrett, along with Nick Jones and Michael Lorenzo, were able to hold down the fort before then. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they did a good job of limiting damage as Nick Cassianos winds up getting a home run in this one. That is his 12th of the campaign that came off of Chad Cool. Wound up going three innings, giving up that home run, two total runs in the process. But then from there, Jeff Hartley, Sam Howard, Chris Stratton, Nick Turley, and Richard Rodriguez come in for a combined six scoreless innings, giving up just one hit in the process. And for the Pirates, they go two of nine with men in scoring position. They certainly have been not terrific with the bats, but they were able to get nine hits, and they were able to get just enough opportunities to be able to pull out a win. And for the Reds, my goodness, this is a team that's not doing very well. And speaking of not doing very well, Matt Harvey with the Kansas City Royals as the Chicago White Sox take it to the Kansas City Royals, 8-2 to the final. This one, for Dallas Keuchel, he continues to be the opposite of Matt Harvey. He winds up going five innings in this one, only 49 pitches, so obviously a lot of precursors here with him. He gives up just two hits, no earned runs. From there, Jimmy Cordero and Steve Ciszek give up a run out of the bullpen, but they were able to give Alex McCray an opportunity here, and he winds up pitching a scoreless inning along with Evan Marshall, but for the Kansas City Royals, Matt Harvey, he winds up going two and a third inning. He gives up Four hits, but just one run because Tyler Zuber wound up coming in on the bullpen and relieving him. But Carlos Hernandez has to come in for two and two-thirds innings. He gives up one run. But then the innings just compiled themselves, and you wind up having Chase Adams give up three runs while recording four outs. And Josh Stamont also had a very rough go of it here. He gives up three runs in a third of an inning. The Chicago White Sox have just been dominant all year long. And Edwin Encarnacion certainly has not gotten a lot going, but this will help. A grand slam off of Stamont, his eighth of the campaign for the Chicago White Sox. They leave 11 men on base despite the fact that they were able to score eight runs. And for the Kansas City Royals, 0 of 7 with men in scoring position. So needless to say, certainly not terrific there. And for the Chicago White Sox, this is a team that they have scored at least six runs and now 10 out of their last 14 games. So they are certainly rolling on offense. Speaking of a team that all of a sudden has been able to roll, that would be the Colorado Rockies. They wind up going on the road to LA and they wind up taking down the Dodgers by kind of 7 to 6 for the Colorado Rockies. You were able to get a lot of power in this one as Ryan Kesselani did not necessarily give the start desired. Four and a third innings gives up four runs, all of which were earned. But then from there, you have Carlos Estevez giving up two runs, but Yancey Almonte and Michael Givers were able to do a good job out of the bullpen for the Colorado Rockies. You wind up getting Tony Kemp going for his fourth home run of the campaign. Josh Fuentes, who is hitting all of a sudden like a 370, he gets his first home run of the season. Team goes 3 of 12 with Ben in scoring position, but for the LA Dodgers, they also squandered quite a few opportunities as well, despite the fact that they were able to get up bunch of power going. Corey Seager goes deep twice. His 10th and 11th of the campaign. Chris 
Taylor got in on the home run ordeal. He winds up being able to get his third of the season. And then Will Smith gets jiggy with it for his sixth home run of the season. But for Mr. Julio Arias, not what you were expecting. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of four and a third innings. And then from there, Dylan Floro has been very good out of the bullpen. He winds up giving up a run while recording four outs. And Caleb Ferguson... Well, I always hear the joke of Turd Ferguson from Saturday Night Live. He delivered a turd in this one. He gave up two runs over the course of an inning. So that's what we all know is from Major League Baseball on Sunday. Now let's take a look at Monday's matchups and just pick the brain of Danny Burke and what he's all noticed from Major League Baseball this season. He is currently out there in the state of Illinois. So we're going to get a little bit of a Bet Rivers perspective, the casino that he's been doing a lot of the shows that he's been recording at, a little bit of a perspective and the numbers that are over there. And we're just going to get his thoughts on some of the Monday games and his thoughts on the season in general. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Craig Peters. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. This man has been splitting some time between Las Vegas and the Midwest as he does an absolutely terrific job for the Vegas Hats and Information Network. He is a host of a new show on there called Rush Hour. That is actually filmed out there in Bet Rivers in the state of Illinois. He also does the show Bet on Chicago as well, which you can hear Saturday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time. That is on 890 AM out there in the state of Illinois. And you're able to follow Danny on Twitter at Danny Burke 5 as it is Danny Burke joining me on the podcast. And it's great to have you aboard, my friend. How are you? I am doing good, Greg. Thanks for having me back on the podcast like we were kind of talking about before the show. There's sports everywhere, man. So it's an exciting time not only for fans, but for us betters as well. Oh, absolutely. It has been absolutely terrific and certainly has been a very interesting year in baseball, to say the least. I'm not sure what you've noticed, but... For me, over the weekend, the underdogs were just hitting at a ridiculous rate. And I'm not talking about the ones that are like plus 110, plus 120 or something like that. I'm talking about the Tampa Bay Rays losing to the Miami Marlins a couple days ago. The Baltimore Orioles taking three games in a row from the Yankees after losing 19 straight to them. The Detroit Tigers on Sunday were able to get a win. I noticed that more so than at pretty much any point this year, those big underdogs over this weekend were really doing well. Greg, it's really crazy, right? Because every time we've kind of talked on the show, the conversation we've had, whether it's on my show or your show, is, well, it's only a matter of time, it seems like, before some of these underdogs start to cash. It's kind of like the law of nature when it comes to betting. And finally, like you pointed out, it happened this weekend. So will that continue? Maybe, probably not as fluently. It's not something necessarily that would change my handicapping going forward, but it is going to be an interesting stretch now that we're winding down here, Greg. Some of these teams, as we know, competing for those final playoff spots now that it's expanded and everything. But I think it's just one of those weekends that was inevitable, and especially in a sport like baseball that was going to happen. We saw it, so now we're going to have to reassess and kind of look forward to what's going to happen this week. But I'm sure it'll kind of level out a little bit more so. So I wouldn't go too crazy about it, at least not in the overall scheme of things. With certain teams, absolutely. But overall, I think you just got to stick with your guts and what you've been doing as at this point. I agree with you. And I've noticed that there have just been a couple starters that every single time you t- they take the mound, you want to be taking them. Garrett Cole was one of those guys last year. Obviously, it has not been working that way this year as he winds up losing to the Baltimore Orioles over the weekend. But we saw Shane Bieber once again do what he does, striking out 10 against the Milwaukee Brewers. Jacob DeGrom, another very good start on Sunday. Max Scherzer has certainly been up and down, but it seems like he's really finding his form. And these just known commodity stud pitchers 
are guys that I feel like you really want to be betting right now because it felt like maybe in the first week or two of the season they were on a little bit more equal footing, but now that they are really rounded into form, they just seem to be breaking away from the rest of the pitchers. And unlike so many of these other guys where you don't know if you're going to be able to get five or not out of them, you're able to get more than five out of pretty much your upper echelon top couple pitchers out there in the big leagues. Yeah, you really are. It's kind of interesting. I guess the way I looked at it going into it, I know a lot of other people did too, was that because it's such a shortened season and especially with the double headers implemented, we kind of thought that maybe some of these starters wouldn't go as long as they have, or at least that was kind of my notion going into it. And that hasn't necessarily been the case. Like you said, a lot of these pitchers, some who have kind of just come out of the woodwork out of nowhere have been doing very well and they've been going late in the games. And that's obviously what you want, especially if you can get that now in this season more valuable than ever, Greg. So really, it's about finding those key pitchers who can get you through those five innings. If they can get you seven, obviously, that's the goal. That's fantastic. But when you're looking at it from a betting perspective, I think you've got to also gander at the first five because there's so many good betting opportunities in those first five innings. I like to dabble with the total usually. And the way I go um, I tend to look for a pretty solid pitching matchup, but one where you still get the hook at about four and a half for those first five runs. And I like to look toward the under in that spot, because as we know, Greg, you can't trust these bullpens no matter what season it is. So that's why I think noting those pitchers that you're alluding to that have been doing so well, that have been able to go deep. I think there's some value at looking at those first five bets. As we do have Danny Burke of VEASAN joining me on the podcast. Does a great job with Rush Hour and Bet on Chicago. I think you bring up something very interesting with the first five because there are certain betters that this is going to work out very well for. If you're looking at an under, if you're someone that you don't want to be taking a look at the bullpens, that is certainly somewhere that you want to be taking a look at. But we know that there are some betters that they really like to take overs. They're wanting to take a look at the full game. And there are just certain teams out there like the Boston Red Sox, even, for example, that they've just got absolutely terrible starting pitching. You're never going to want to take a Boston Red Sox starter aside from maybe Nathan Eovaldi, who I believe is injured right now, on a first five. And if you're going to be taking a first five over, I mean, I just don't see there being a whole lot of scenarios in which you're going to be taking the first five over and then the full game under. So I do think that a big theme of this year is certain bets for certain situations. I think that this is just one of those things that when it comes to first five, once again, it is situational betting. Oh, absolutely, Greg. That's really what it is. You can't necessarily, in a sport like baseball too, look for a trend and just assume it's going to continue with every team on every day. It's all about picking out the right matchups, the quality versus quantity aspect of it. And that's why, as we know, as handicappers, the biggest thing that you look at when betting baseball is the starting pitchers. So in the sense of riding a trend, I would do it with a guy you're consistent with that you know you can rely on. Stick with its same pitcher, if anything, and that's what you're going to follow. But really, you have to look at the opposing side, too, because that guy could screw your total bet when it comes to that first five at any given game. And, you know, I had one the other day where it was like 1-0 going into the bottom of the fifth, and then I ended up pushing when it was four runs. So, look, it happens. Just really just kind of try to point out how deep these guys have gone, how consistently they've done it. Obviously, the advanced analytics when it comes to fan graphs with these pitchers, don't just look at the ERA, really dive deep into it, see how far they're going, see you know what their XVIP is, what their home run to fly ball ratio is. All of that is so beneficial when it comes to betting these pitchers. I totally agree with you. I think it's just so critical that you take a look at walks per nine innings, home runs per nine innings as well, just because it's like, oh, he's made five starts and he's given up two home runs. When it's like, yeah, he hasn't went past four innings in any of those starts either, so... You need to take that with a little bit more of a grain of salt rather than someone that maybe has given up a couple more home runs, but he's going seven plus and pretty much all of his starts as well. So I think that that's very well taken. And I know that you're out there in the city of Chicago and 
I don't know how and I don't know why, but every time he joined this podcast, it seems like Kyle Hendricks is making a start for the Chicago Cubs. That is going to be the case on Monday as he's going to be going up against. You don't mess with the Johan Oviedo. I think that this is going to be a very interesting one. As we both know, you're never going to find a total overnight with Wrigley just because it is based on the win. We saw totals right in the neighborhood of like 12 and 13 last night with these two teams just because Wynn was absolutely whipping despite the fact that you had John Lester on the mound. But Kyle Hendricks, just one of those guys that you want to be fading on the road. You want to be backing at home. So far this year, ERA at Wrigley, right around 2-6-ish, maybe a little bit more on the road, north of a 5-2. I just think that this is such an interesting matchup because with the St. Louis Cardinals, they've been doing a solid job. If the season were to end today, they would make the postseason. But it's just one of those things that we keep talking about. When will the wheels fall off and will they be able to sustain? Because they're going to have to play more than a game a day for the rest of the season. No, exactly. So that's a tricky thing. And I know we had also talked about this before when you were on my show. And the Cardinals, for me, I thought there was some decent value when we were looking at the lines at Bed Rivers. I think they were about 7-1 to one to win the division. And now I understand that it is going to be tricky going down the stretch with all these games you're going to have to play, not the deepest rotation. For me, it was more of a value bet. They're still close with the Cubs. They play well against them in Wrigley, as we just have seen this past weekend. We'll see what happens when Kyle Hendricks takes them out too. But, but Greg, I, I really took that off value. But yeah, when it comes down to it, it's going to be very tough to bet this Cardinals team and to see how they're going to react to all of that. But what we know about the Cardinals in the past few seasons, they always do pick it up in the latter half of the year. Obviously, it's a completely different beast this season. So who knows how they react, but I still would not be surprised as a Cubs fan and being tortured so long if the Cardinals somehow find a way to make it close and interesting. I still do think the Cubs are going to win the division, but just based off the value, I thought the Cardinals are going to keep it close enough to where that wouldn't have been a bad bet. Being born and raised in the state of Wisconsin, I certainly feel those sentiments as well. So do not worry. I am right there with you. And I also think that we've just got a little bit of an interesting slate on Monday in general. And what else I think is going to be a very fascinating one is the Houston Astros against the Oakland A's. Christian Javier has actually transformed himself into a pretty solid starter for the Houston Astros. He's got one loss on the year, and that one loss did come when he was on the road against the Oakland A's. And Chris Bassett is someone that has been taking a hook, line, and sinker so far this year. 2-2 two two record, 372 ERA with the Oakland A's. It just feels like this is a team that they don't necessarily do the best job of being able to get on base but they just seem to do damage every time they put bat to ball. I think that that's very intriguing. And with this Houston Astros team, you've right now got Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, both on the 10-day injured list. Lance McCullers in his last start got as many outs as the two of us, so that's not necessarily terrific. <laughs> I just think that this Astros team is a very fascinating one as they're on the road taking on the Oakland A's, and you got to think that they're going to be a little bit of an underdog in this spot. Yeah, so this is going to be obviously one of the premier games of the night. When it comes down to with this pet, uh, pitching matchup, Javier is a pitcher that kind of sticks out as some guy who's kind of came out of the woodwork that we were talking about earlier. This is a matchup where you look a little bit deeper and the expert for these guys isn't necessarily great. The Astros have been a tricky team for me to kind of handicap this season. And going against the A's, obviously, who have just been getting on Hotspur after Hotspur. But this game is going to be so important. This one, I do want to bet it, Greg. And I want to look for an opportunity. And this would maybe be the one I would consider a first five. But because you look a little bit deeper and there is the potential for the bats to light up in this series. That's why I may be a little bit hesitant. But at the same time, if more of the attention keeps going to Oakland, it's hard not to look the direction of the plus money with Houston. But really, I do think this might be a first five bet that I would seek out. Maybe look at the under if you can find a four and a half out there. But that's really the angle I would look at between the Astros and A's. 
Yeah, it is very interesting. As on ESPN, I'm seeing Chris Bassett, and as I'm seeing it on the normal Las Vegas betting board, it's Frankie Montas, who has been just absolutely terrible ever since he had that start against the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. So that is going to be very fascinating, as we do have Danny Burke joining me on the podcast. And what else I find to be just a little bit of an anomaly, and this is a game that is currently off the board, is one of those guys I was talking about a little bit earlier in Max Scherzer. He's going to be pitching up against the Tampa Bay Rays and Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton came off the injured list, looked solid in his first start, and the Rays just time and time again, they have been a team that has been able to get the job done. And for Scherzer, what I think is really interesting with him is that it feels like in all of his starts, he gives you a good four to five innings, but you just don't know whether things are going to fall apart for him in the fifth inning or the sixth inning. It's just one of those things where I don't know if you'd have full trust for a first five because he has let you down in the last inning of that first five a couple times, and then when he doesn't let you down in the fifth inning, he lets you down in the sixth inning. So I do think that he's been a little bit interesting there. you got to think that this is going to be a relatively pick line when it comes to Nationals versus Rays, as we're doing it right now. Like I said, nothing up on this game. But how do you view this one? Because I think that this is one of the most intriguing matchups of the night. Yeah, anytime Max Scherzer goes on the bump, that's where you can really take advantage of that line. Because the Nationals, as we know, have been in a complete slump this whole season. The World Series hangover, losing some players, hasn't been profitable for them in many regards. The way I would look at it, Greg, like you said, we don't really see a line, but it's going to be close to a pick'em. I'm very concerned with the Nationals in the sense of trusting their bats. So I would look the way of the Rays because you know the Nationals are going to be steamed up just from the public. Everybody's seeing Max Scherzer at home, a cheap price. You're going to be like, why is this like it is? But at the same time, Greg, I think you just got to go with the hot team being the Rays. Morton's still a solid pitcher, even though some of the numbers don't necessarily indicate it. I think this is a good opportunity to get a shorter line on the Rays against a team like the Nationals who can just not find a rhythm whatsoever. Yeah, it certainly has been really bad for the Washington Nationals. The bullpen has not been great. Bats have actually been solid, but the problem with those bats is that it feels like every time they get a man on base, they just forget how to hit from there on out, and they wind up stranding 100 million billion people on base. And another person that has stranded 100 million billion people on base, that would be Zach Gallen. As we know, the San Francisco Giants have been one of the top over teams at home so far this year, but Zach Gallen has been absolutely tremendous. Eight starts so far this year. Two earned runs or fewer given up in all eight of those starts. If you ask me for the NL Cy Young Award, Zach Gallen right now needs to be there with Jacob DeGrom. I would have DeGrom number one. I would have Gallen number two. This is despite the fact that he's got a 1-0 record. This is a total that we're seeing right now at eight. And I think that this is very intriguing because you know that Zach Gallen is going to be able to come in and he's going to be able to give you something solid. But you just don't know about this Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. They sell off Andrew Chafin along with Archie Bradley. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, we all know about their bullpen struggles as well as I'm seeing it right now. You've got the Giants in the neighborhood of about like a plus 110 to plus 115 underdog in a total of eight. Not sure how you'd be looking here, but if you would be a first five better, this is probably the one that I'd be targeting more than anything else because you've got very much a known quantity in Zach Allen. Meanwhile, with these two bullpens, well, things can get off the rails in a hurry. Exactly, Greg. So that's how I would look at it, too. You look at Zach Gallen, and he has been absolutely phenomenal. However, I do want to give a little shout-out because I noticed you didn't include my boy, you Darvish, for the NL Cy Young. So I got a little deep you there. <laughs> but no, they're right up there in the top three, absolutely. But honestly, I'm a little surprised with this line, Greg, if I'm being honest, because Arizona, look, yeah, Zach Gallen has been phenomenal, but Kevin Gosman on the other side has not been that bad, really. 
Once again, when you look at the deeper analytics with him, he has had a pretty successful season. The Giants in their bullpen, as you alluded to, once again, that's kind of where it gets iffy. And sometimes their bats aren't helping with runners in scoring position. I saw it the other night when I bet the Giants against the Diamondbacks, they had bases loaded, no outs, and they just completely did the most asinine thing I've seen and ended up getting no runs. So sometimes it's just <laughs> frustrating with a team like the Giants, but they're in the thick of that playoff race. I would actually look the way of the plus money with San Francisco here. But once again, that first five, if you're looking at a total under, it's probably going to be four. Yeah, it's not the best number, but it definitely is a good opportunity. Probably one of, if not the best one to consider. Yeah, it certainly is one of these things of which the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen has been a little bit less than untrustworthy because with Zach Allen, we mentioned how good he has been. But I mean, the team over his last five starts, they've only won two of them. And that's because he's getting absolutely no runs of support whatsoever. He did wind up getting a seven spot when they went up against the Colorado Rockies, but that was in Coors Field. And immediately after he was taken out of that game, I remember it, they wind up giving up six runs in the eighth inning. So you just don't know what's going to be happening with that team from time to time. And Danny, when it comes to just whether it be the Monday betting board or if it comes to just maybe a futures play in general, since we are in now the last three weeks of the MLB regular season. It's really hard to believe that we're saying that, but is there anything that you're really targeting when it comes to either a futures play or something for Monday, just because we are getting down a little bit more to the nitty gritty. And as we know, because of the way that this season is structured, you've got pretty much everyone stands the LA Angels alive and well for a playoff spot. And I do have to throw in there the Pittsburgh Pirates as well being eliminated. The way I would answer your question is not necessarily with the futures angle, but more so a consistent trend you can look forward to. And it's nothing outlandish that I'm going to say if you've been following closely. But this White Sox team against left-handed pitching is just absolutely unreal, Greg. I mean, they've just been pounding it and pounding it against those southpaws. So anytime you get the White Sox in a pretty solid price, meaning if you can get some value between about 150 or below, I don't know how chalky some people like to go. But there's been some great opportunities with the Southsiders going against lefty pitchers. You saw it against the Royals several times. They've just been dominating. And even if you don't want to take them to win the game, look at their team total runs over as well. The Royals and White Sox have been going over a lot of their total runs in these games. Those are some good trends to follow. But really the big one is the White Sox against lefties. I think that's a great spot to always seek out a handicap as best as you can. And honestly, I guess if I'm looking at some of these futures, Greg, the one that, believe it or not, and I and I kind of hate saying this because it's the chalky play, but the Dodgers plus 320 as I'm looking at Rivers to win the World Series, I honestly thought it would be a little bit lower at this point. This is a play that I would look toward because I don't imagine the Dodgers are going to be there for much longer, especially when we get toward the postseason. I just can't imagine it's going to be that much of a value. I think it's going to be more so about 250 or something like that. So just based on where the line is probably going to move, I think that might not be a bad opportunity. And also, Greg, wouldn't it just be funny and make sense if the Dodgers were to win a World Series in the one season where it's just kind of an anomaly and, mm-hmm. and just completely different and people would still give them grief because they would just say, oh, it wasn't a full season. So I could definitely see that happening. But really, I do I do think it's just good value you can get now before it moves down as we head into the postseason. That certainly would be so interesting. And that would be so L.A. Dodgers if it would wind up happening as well. And speaking to your point of the Chicago White Sox, they've been doing a great job against left-handed pitching. But if you ever see them against Matt Harvey as well, they're a pretty solid bet as well. And something that you could always bet on is Danny Burke being able to provide you with some absolutely tremendous coverage. You are now a part of a new show on VSIN, 
the rush hour. You also do a great job with Bet on Chicago as well. So let the good people at home know where they're able to follow along and just how they're able to catch your work in general since you're now doing a couple shows and doing a great job of juggling all of them. Yeah, so my new show, Rush Hour, um, out of the Bet River Sportsbook, like you said, in Des Plaines, Illinois. If you have any fans out there, feel free to stop by the booth and say what's up. Uh, our show goes from 7 to 8 Eastern time, Monday through Friday. You can watch it Fubo, Sling, Xfinity on the app if you say VEASAN into your remote. SiriusXM204, and of course, like Greg said, you can follow me on Twitter at DannyBurke5. All the other content, VEASAN.com slash subscribe in the VEASAN app as well. And Danny does absolutely terrific work out there. He's been traveling back and forth quite a bit from Las, from Las Vegas to Chicago, and does a nice job of juggling a little bit of everything. So big thanks to Danny Burke for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. Thank you for your time, on every game on Monday's MLB betting board. It's something I like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to our good friend Danny Burke for joining me in the last segment. Does tremendous work with the Vegas Ads and Information Network. Now it is that time the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on Monday's MLB Betting Board and something I like to call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GRSCORTY1. As per usual, we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order, and really aside from Rays versus Nationals, it looks like we've got numbers on all these games, so that's pretty good. And that begins with 901-902 on the betting board. You've got the Miami Marlins hitting the road faceoff against the Atlanta Braves. Ian Anderson is going to be going for the Bravos. Meanwhile, Jose Urania going to be going for the Miami Marlins. If you're looking at the fish, well, you're going to be getting a plus price to be able to get some in your betting diet. Anywhere between plus 175 and plus 185. Meanwhile, with the Braves, laying anywhere between minus 190 and minus 210. Certainly has been a solid year for the Atlanta Braves. They've got their offense going in. For Jose Urania, this is going to be his first appearance of the 2020 season. This is someone that was actually closing out the 2019 season as the team's closer and it didn't go well. He had a 521 ERA in 24 total appearances, 13 starts during the 2019 campaign. He actually did an okay job of keeping the ball in the yard. He wound up having 13 home runs, giving up in 84 and two-thirds innings, but he just is not able to get a bunch of punch outs. He was averaging right around, I would say, about six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Meanwhile, Ian Anderson, he has looked very good for the Atlanta Braves, despite the fact that he didn't necessarily have the world's greatest minor league numbers. He has come in in two starts, and he has been absolutely terrific. He has gotten a grand total of 12 innings, 14 punch outs, and three walks. So I do like what I'm seeing there for the Miami Marlins. This is certainly a bunch that they've been a little bit of all over the place when it comes to offense. They have scored four plus runs in each out of their last three games. So that is something encouraging. And you take a look at this team. They have gotten back a couple pieces recently as you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Garrett Cooper. He has been in and out of the fold. He wound up pinch hitting on Sunday, but he's given this team a 270. You've got Miguel Rojas who wound up being one of the victims of COVID-19. He and Starling Marte, who they wound up training for from the Arizona Diamondbacks are both hitting above a 300. You pair that up with Jesus Aguiar, Matt Joyce, a pair of guys are hitting between a 270 and a 280 as well, and that's solid. You haven't been able to get much out of the catcher spot. Jorge Alfaro has not been there. 
Corey Dickerson is hitting right around a 230, so it certainly is a little bit of a feast for family lineup, but you've been able to get something, and for the Atlanta Braves, this is a team that no doubt has been absolutely solid. Marcelo Zuna has been a big addition for this team. He's got 13 home runs. He's hitting a 320, and then you're able to pair him up with Ronald Acuna Jr. is back in the fold, along with Dansby Swanson. Both these guys hitting between a 285 and a 295. Freddie Freeman, along with Travis Arno, are both hitting above a 310 as well. And then even the bottom of the fold, a Denny Echevarria, Austin Riley, Adam Duvall. These three guys were really scuffling to begin the year. Now all these guys have a 235 batting average or greater for Echevarria. He certainly doesn't draw a lot of walks, but certainly is good to see that they've been able to pick it up for the Braves. The bullpen is pretty solid. You did have to go to Darren O'Day for an inning on Sunday, but you still have Shane Green, Mark Melanson, and company available. And for the Miami Marlins, the bullpen in general has been solid. You don't necessarily have that one lockdown guy really aside from Brandon Kitzler, so that is something that you do have to keep in mind. They did wind up having to play an extra inning game against the Tampa Bay Rays on Sunday as well, and Kitzler did wind up getting used and took the loss, so I think it's going to be a little bit tough for the Miami Marlins. I think that the Braves should be able to take this game by multiple runs. I do think that in the process, Miami should be able to get a couple runs up there on the board, so I'm going to be taking the run line here of the Atlanta Braves. I'm seeing that right around minus 105-ish as I do this podcast, along with this total over. 903-904 on the betting board is up next. Philadelphia Phillies are going to be on the road, facing off against the New York Metropolitans. You've got David Peterson, good last name, going for the Mets. Meanwhile, Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler going to be going for the Phillies. Total on this game, anywhere between 8.5 and 9, with the 8.5 overs anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between even and plus 105. On the 9, your under is minus 120, and the over is even. Relatively pick'em game here. The Mets are a very slight favorite, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Phillies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 and even. And I'm going to be taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies in this spot. Now, you've got to think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Zach Wheeler. He has been absolutely terrific with his 4-0 record, 220 ERA. Giving up two home runs in 45 innings, but unlike in past years, swing and miss stuff has not necessarily been there. He's generating 5.8 strikeouts per nine innings, so that certainly has been a little bit of a concern, but he certainly has been able to get the job done recently, giving up two runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts, and two of those were against the Atlanta Braves, so I mean, that is something that you do really hang your hat on. Meanwhile, for Peterson, he was on the injured list a few weeks ago. He wound up making a long relief appearance against the Baltimore Orioles and looked pretty solid. He won four innings, he gave up two hits. This is someone that has been a very pleasant surprise for the New York Mets. 303 ERA, 4-1 record. He's made that long relief appearance along five starts along the way, so that has been something that they've been able to hang your hat on, and he's only given up two home runs so far this year, but with the Philadelphia Phillies, this is an offense that has been on another level for much of the year. Obviously, they have scuffled the last two days with a combined two runs, but you're not going to be able to keep these guys down for long as you've got a bunch of guys that are doing a solid job hitting in between, I would say, about a 245 issue, more in the neighborhood of about a 265-270. You've got Andrew McCutcheon, Reese Hoskins, D.D. Gregorius, along with Neil Walker, all in that fold. And when you take a look at Hoskins, he's got a 412 on base. Bryce Harper presenting a 275 with a 434 on base. Phil Gosselin has been able to step up. He and Adam Bazaley are both very nice surprises for Gosselin, hitting a little bit above a 300 for Hazley. He's hitting more in the neighborhood of a 260. And then Austin Knapp is hitting a 462. Still, he wound up going yard against the New York Mets. 
chance for their lone run on Sunday. Meanwhile, for the Metropolitans, this is a team that's towards the top five in the league when it comes to batting average. Got a couple guys that do need to pick it up as you've got Wilson Ramos along with Pete Alonso and Ahmed Rosario in between a 220 and a 230. But really past that, you've got a bunch of guys that are hitting north of a 250. Andre Semenis has been able to step up along with J.D. Davis. Both of these guys hitting between a 275 and a 285. And then you've got Luis Galorme, Robinson Cano, Dom Smith all hitting above a 320. That has been rock solid. Jeff McNeil after a rough start to the year now is a 360 on base. He's hitting right around a 290. So this is a bunch that they've been doing a solid job there with the Philadelphia Phillies. They did revamp that bullpen but they did have to go into it quite a bit in their loss against the New York Mets as things just wound up unraveling for them in the late innings. So Heath Embry may not be available in this game. Meanwhile, for the Mets, it's always tough to have a little bit of faith in this bullpen, but they didn't have to go into it too much on Sunday because Jacob deGrom delivered seven strong innings, so that is certainly going to be able to help this team out a little bit, but I just think that David Peterson, in his first true start back ever since coming off the injured list, is going to get hit around a little bit. I think that the Phillies bats are going to be able to bust out, so for that reason, I'm going to be going with Philadelphia. I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for both guys that, in my opinion, are overachieving a little bit, and they're facing off against a pair of teams that they do a very good job of being able to get on base. We're going to take the over as well. 905-906 on the betting bars up next. You've got the Detroit Tigers on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins. State with the smallest strengths in the union finds themselves a very significant favorite with Michael Pineda, aka Michael Pineda going for them. Meanwhile, Michael Fulmer is on the bump for the Tigres. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Minnesota Twins, anywhere between minus 190 and minus 215 is the damage. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Tigers, you're going to get anywhere between plus 175 and plus 195 total on this game, ranging between 9 and 8.5. With an 8.5, your over is anywhere between minus 120 minus 125. Under is anywhere between even plus 105 on the 9. You're going to be finding the under anywhere between minus 110 minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And this is a situation in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Detroit Tigers once again. They've actually played the Minnesota Twins quite well. They have covered the run line in pretty much all but one of their last six games. So they have been able to stay very competitive with Fulmer. No question, this guy is not been very good. He has not went north of, I would say, three innings in any of his starts so far this year. Though, if you are looking for something encouraging, his last start against the Brewers, he wound up going three strong, not giving up a single run. The Tigers are pretty much using him as an opener plus, and then you're probably going to have Daniel Norris coming in after that to be able to lend some innings. I know that they've been using Taylor Alexander as well, but he wound up being used for a start in a doubleheader a couple days ago. Meanwhile, for Mr. Pinata, this is going to be very fascinating as in his first start of the year against the Chicago White Sox, he gave up two runs in the first inning, and then after that, he was nails. This is someone that, during the 2019 campaign, was up and down, to say the least. He wound up making 26 starts, and he wound up posting an ERA that was hovering right around four. What he did a very good job of last year as well is that he gave up fewer than two walks per nine innings, so he did a great job with his command. He does sometimes get touched up a little bit, and for the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that, all of a sudden, they are starting to get some offense going. You've got Jonathan Scope, along with Victor Reyes, Jamir Candelario, Willie Castro, and even a little bit of a younger infielder in Sergio Alcantara, all hitting above a 300 for this bunch. You've also been able to get Miguel Cabrera going. He's hitting a 255 now. Got a couple guys that they need to pick it up. Grayson Griner, Travis Stemright, Jorge Bonifacio, 
Christian Stewart and Isaac Paredes, who are all hitting a 215 or lower, so that certainly has been a little bit of an issue. But for the Tigers, they've also been able to get some good performances out of the bullpen. Gregory Soto has been solid. Kyle Funkhauser has been used up. He is not going to be coming out of the bullpen in this game, but they've actually got one of the better bullpens out there in the league as their starter's ERA is north of a 5-5 right now. For the Minnesota Twins, bullpen for much of the year has been pretty solid, but we've noticed that guys like Sergio Romo, Trevor May, it seems like the innings are starting to catch up to them. They should have Taylor Rogers available in this game. And for the Minnesota Twins, got to feel like this is a team that is starting to bust out with the bats. You've got Luis Arreyes along with Josh Donaldson back to the fold. That is no doubt helping them. Williams Estadio is also back. He's not necessarily a guy I take a look at. And you do have a couple guys that are currently scuffling for this team right now. As you've still got Jake Cave along with here, Adrianza, Josh Donaldson, all hitting a 220 or lower. And then Eddie Rosario, Lamont Wade Jr., all these guys are in between a 240 and a 250. You expect just a little bit more out of Sano along with Eddie Rosario. Now, Ode Palanco has been doing a solid job. He's hitting a 285. Nelson Cruz wound up getting the day off on Sunday, but he should be good to go. He's hitting well above a 300. He's been able to give the team 13 home runs, so you like what they're bringing there. I do think that the Twins, who are one of the best under teams that you're going to find out there in the league, they are going to be able to generate some runs, but I do think that the Tigers are going to be able to get to Pineda. We just have not necessarily seen a big sample size with them. I think that this is a situation in which we see something similar to Sunday. I don't think we're going to see quite 10 to 8, but I do think that runs are going to be a plenty in this game. I do think that in the end, the Tigers with their bullpen are going to be able to pull it out. So we're going to be going with the total over, and we are going to be riding with the Detroit Tigers. 907-908 on the betting board is up next. Seattle Mariners are going to be playing us to the Walker, Texas Rangers. Colby Aller goes for the Rangers. Meanwhile, Marco Gonzalez is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. If you're looking at the Mariners, laying anywhere between minus 138 and minus 150. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Walker, Texas Rangers, anywhere between plus 128 and plus 135. Your total on this game ranging between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even minus 105. If you're looking at the 8.5, under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Over is anywhere between even and plus 105. And with Colby Allard, he certainly has had a little bit of an uneven season. He has pitched better recently, but first couple starts of the year, he just wound up getting tattooed. That's why you're seeing a 540 ERA for him, despite the fact that he's only given up two home runs in 25 innings. The big thing is he's allowing right around four and a half walks per nine innings. He's given up 12 walks so far this year. You take a look at what he's been able to do recently. Significantly better as he has given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last two starts. Prior to that, his previous two starts against, ironically enough, the Seattle Mariners and the Colorado Rockies. A combined 10 runs given up over the course of three and two-thirds innings in those two starts. So, that was just absolutely putrid. Meanwhile, for Marco Gonzalez, he is coming off throwing a complete game against the LA Angels. He has been able to be really the ace of the Seattle Mariners. Now, he has someone that he's going to go like six or seven innings and give up three runs. We've seen that quite a bit so far this year, and he's not necessarily a tremendous swing in this guy, but he's an okay one. 39 punch outs in 43 and two-thirds innings. His big thing is he's not going to walk you. Four walks so far this year. Less than a walk per nine innings. That's towards the top of the league. And for the Seattle Mariners, this is a bunch that they've had a couple moving pieces as they did wind up trading Austin Nola at the trade deadline, but they have Ty France, who's doing a tremendous job of being able to get on base with this team as he, Kyle Lewis, along with Corey Seager and Dylan Moore, all in a 280 or greater. And with France and Lewis, both of these guys have an on-base percentage hovering right around a 400. J.P. Crawford at the top has been doing a good job of setting the table. He's hitting right around 245-340 on base. And you've been able to get a little bit more out of Jorge Mamalois. He has been hitting right around a 225, but recently he's been able to pick it up about a week and a half ago against the San Diego Padres. He wound up having a grand slam. And you gotta think that some of these guys are gonna be able to pick it up like a Jake Fraley, Joseph Odom, Shed Long, Philip Irvin, 
D. Strange, Gordon, Malik Smith, who are all hitting a 200 or lower, but they certainly do have some guys that have stepped up to the plate, and for the Texas Rangers, they did wind up getting back a couple guys from the injured list, and they're starting to find their footing a little bit more. Now, you still need more out of quite a few of these guys, as Dan Diedrich, along with Elvis Andrews, Sin Chu Chu, Joey Gallo, are all hitting a 225 or lower. That is just absolutely putrid, but Leotis Tavares has been able to give the team right around a 240. He wound up going deep in the team's loss on Sunday, so he's been able to lend a little bit of something for the team. Ronald Guzman is hitting nearly a 350. That has been tremendous. And you've been able to get a little bit of something in the infield out of Anderson Tejada as well. I do think that this is a spot in which the Rangers are going to be able to get a couple runs up on Gonzalez, but we've already seen Colby Allard struggle against the Seattle Mariners. I like the way that this team is rolling. I feel like this total is just set a little bit too low, so I'm going to be taking it over, and we're going to be riding with the Seattle Mariners as the Rangers ever since the Fernando Tatis Jr. Grand Slam incident, 3-15. and 909-910 on the betting board is up next, and this will be the New York Post play of the day, as I'm probably going to wind up taking this total under, though we do not have that on the board right now. Totals are not set at Wrigley Field until the day of the game, but the Chicago Cubs are going to be playing us to the St. Louis Cardinals. You don't mess with the Johan Oviedo is going to be going for the Cardinals. Meanwhile, Kyle the Professor Hendricks goes for the Chicago Cubs. If you're looking at the Cubbies on the money line, you're going to be finding that anywhere between minus 167 and minus 185, so you got quite a range there. Meanwhile, with the cards, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. You don't have a run line on this one, but I am probably going to be riding with the Chicago Cubs on the run line, and a big reason why is because Kyle Hendricks, home to road, is just such a different pitcher. Over the last two years at home, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around a 2-2. So far this year, it's more around a 2-6 ERA at Wrigley. On the road, that's north of a 5-2, so he's just such a different guy when he's at Wrigley versus on the road. His command is so much better. I don't know how. I don't know why, but he is just one of those inexplicable cases in which he's got some dramatic splits. Meanwhile, for Johan Oviedo, he has not been bad. He's got an ERA that's hovering right around 4-3, 14 and a third innings across his three starts, and he wound up making his major league debut a few weeks ago against the Chicago Cubs. He winds up in the process giving up two runs over the course of five innings. He's got some good stuff. He is someone that he does a little bit of a shoddy job of just being able to command the ball. Five walks and 14 and two-thirds innings. Not great swing and miss stuff, but he's kept the ball in the yard, giving up one home run. Obviously, we've seen some very windy days out there in Chicago, to say the least. Seems like it should be dying down a little bit. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, one thing that has not died down, they're nucleus of Brad Miller and Paul Goldschmidt in the middle of the fold. Both of these guys have been doing an absolutely tremendous job. Those two, along with Paul DeYoung, all have been hitting a 310 or higher for Goldschmidt and Miller. 430 on base percentages or higher for Goldschmidt. He winds up going yard for the team on Sunday as well. And then you've been able to get quite a bit of consistency out of guys like Colton Wong and Tommy Edmond hitting between a 257 and a 265. Harrison Bader winds up going 3 of 3 on Sunday. Ding dong, the witch is dead. He finally gave the team a little bit of something. Now you do need to get a little bit more out of a few of these guys. You've got Matt Carpenter, Tyler O'Neill. Ron Hell Rovero, along with Lane Thomas, all in below the Mendoza line, but Yadier Molina, he is not just significant with his bat. He's sitting right around at 282, but he has been doing a great job of being able to call these games for his pitchers as well. It's a big reason why the St. Louis Cardinals year in and year out are pretty solid when it comes to the bullpen for the Chicago Cubs. They had to blow through a whole bunch of bullpen arms as they wind up only getting three and a third innings from John Lester, but we know this. Kyle Hendricks at home is masterful at being able to give length just because he's not a guy that's going to walk a bunch of batters. And for the Chicago Cubs, it's 
it certainly has been a little bit of a rough year, to say the least, for the superstars of this team. Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Kyle Schwarber, Cameron Mabin, David Bodie, all hitting a 232 or lower, and Wilson Contreras is hitting a 240. I will say Jason Award has been a nice surprise for this team. 415 on base, he's hitting a 300, and Ian Happ has similar numbers, and for Happ, he has been doing a good job of being a go yard, and for Rizzo, he does have nine home runs, but man, I mean, it's been tough. Jason Kipnis has been able to give this team something 380 on base, 253 batting average. He goes yard on Sunday, but it certainly has been a rough go of it. I do think that the Cubs are going to be able to get to Oviedo. I think that the bullpen is going to be able to stabilize from there because you do have Giovanni Gallegos, who is not going to be available, but guys like John Gant and company should be able to lend some innings. So I am going to be probably going with the total under unless we see something very extreme. And I'm going to be riding with the Cubs on the run line as well. But check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at JarenScore41 in case we do see that crazy total. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board is up next. You've got the Washington Nationals playing us the Tampa Bay Hot Shell Rays. Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Rays. Meanwhile, Mad Maxers are on the bump for the Washington Nationals. We have absolutely no numbers up on this game whatsoever. I do think that it's because Charlie Morton had a little bit of question mark as to whether or not he'd be going in the start. And for Charlie Morton, he certainly has not been seen too much so far this year. He has made five starts. He wound up taking pretty much a month off due to injury. His last start against the New York Yankees, he was pretty much a pseudo-opener. He went two innings. He gave up two walks, but he punched out four of them. You gotta think that the Tampa Bay Rays probably gonna stretch him out a little bit further. I would expect three, maybe four innings from Charlie Morton. This is just a Tampa Bay Rays wave. We saw it when they were getting Blake Snell acclimated into the starting role along with Tyler Glasnow as well. So I'm not expecting Charlie Morton to give you a full five. So if you're looking about that way, that is something that you do want to keep in mind. But with the Tampa Bay Rays, what you do love about this team is that for one, they've got one of the top bullpen ERAs out there in the big leagues. They have, I believe, accrued the most bullpen innings of any team out there in the big leagues as well, but they've done a great job with it. You've got guys like Trevor Richards and company that are able to give you a lot of length. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, you don't necessarily have that one guy that's necessarily a measure. Brandon Lau has been able to give this team 10 home runs, but what you've got is just a bunch of consistent hitting as Lau, along with G-Man Choi, Joey Wendell, you even got a little bit of a newer catcher in Kevon Smith. These guys are hitting between a 230 and a 250, but then you've got a couple guys like Willie Adamas, Mark Brusso that are hitting above a 300, and they've really been able to get something out of Randy Arozarena. He is hitting a 467. He was on the St. Louis Cardinals last year. They've been able to find a little bit of a diamond in the rough. Now, you need a little bit more out of guys like Austin Meadows, along with Hunter Renfro, the entire catcher spot in general for this team. Michael Perez, along with Mike Zanino, Yoshi Sutsogo, Nathaniel Lowe, Kevin Kiermaier, all these guys are hitting a 225 or lower, but they have been able to get just good production at the right time. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side for the Washington Nationals. Max Scherzer has been coming on the first four or five innings of his starts very solid, but it's either the fifth or the sixth inning. It depends on the game, in which it just seems to all go a little bit awry from 43 and a third innings. He's given up six home runs, but the 16 walks are a little bit concerning as you'd expect that to be a little bit lower with Scherzer. Now, he still gets strikeouts. 61 punch-outs so far this year. He has been a little bit inconsistent with that. He's had over his last five starts 7, 10, 5, 11, and 6 strikeouts, so he has been a little bit up and down with that regard, but he has looked a little bit better recently as he has given up a combined four runs over his last two starts. That was against the Red Sox and the Philadelphia Phillies, so he has been able to step up to the plate there, but this is certainly a Washington Nationals team that is interesting to say the least. They wind up scoring 10 plus runs in two straight games against the Atlanta Braves, and then they come out with a three. Game before that, 
that they had one run, and it's just because Washington Nationals are so inconsistent with runners in scoring position. You've got quite a few guys that do a very good job setting the table. How about Jan Gomes, Kurt Suzuki, Luis Garcia, along Victor Robles, only between a 255 and for Garcia's eyes, a 293. Trey Turner down for what? Along with the currently injured Juan Soto, both hitting above a 350 for Turner down for what? He has also been able to give this team quite a bit of pop with nine home runs, but then you've got Adam Eaton, Eric Thames, Azrubal Cabrera, Brock Holder's actually done a very good job with the Nationals. I remember with the Brewers, he was hitting like not even a buck 75, a zero 75. He was that bad. I was about to say a buck 75, but I was overselling him by a whole dollar, but I mean, he was just absolutely terrible, but you still can't really rely upon him for the season. Carter Keyboom as well. All these guys are hitting a 230 or lower, so I do find that to be fascinating. This is probably a situation in which if I'm seeing a total that is north of 8, I'm probably going to wind up taking the under. I do realize the game that I'm playing with the Washington Nationals. Their bullpen has been absolutely terrible with Scherzer. You really can't look to him for much more than 6 solid innings, but you are going to have guys like Sean Doolittle, Danny Hudson and company available. And just because I think that this is a situation in which Charlie Morton is not going to be able to go very deep, if we do wind up getting that short price with the Nationals like myself and Danny were talking about, I probably will be looking there. But as per usual, check back in the running on my Twitter feed at jrn one because if the Nationals are for some reason like minus 175, certainly would not be taking that. 913-914 on the betting board is up next. Kansas City Royals are going to be in the road face off against the Cleveland Indians. Zach Plesak goes for the Indians. Meanwhile, you've got Brad Thunderkeller going for the Kansas City Royals. Total on this game range of between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8.5, the under is minus 125. Over is plus 105 on the 8. You're going to find that over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And if you're looking at the Royals, well, you're going to be getting a royally high price. Anywhere between plus 175 and plus 180. Meanwhile, with the Indians, you're going to be finding that anywhere between minus 195 and minus 210. With Zach Plesak, he has looked very good when he's been out there so far this year. We all know about some of the off-the-field issues that he has wound up having. It has rubbed some teammates the wrong way, but 2-1 record, 27 innings. I believe that this is over the course of four starts, so he certainly has been able to give a lot of length there. At least six innings in every one of them. Last time he faced off against Kansas City Royals, gave up one run over the course of six innings. He's been doing a great job of getting swings and misses as well. 30 strikeouts and two walks in 27 innings. I mean, this Indian team in general has been an under machine, but how about Brad Keller? 3-1 record, buck 93 ERA, 28 innings. He has not given up a home run. That is just the special that you're going to get with Brad Keller. He does a great job of keeping the ball in the yard. Walks have always been an issue. He's got 12 walks over the course of 28 innings, but he is backed up by a bullpen that I'm not going to call it solid, and they certainly got used up against the Chicago White Sox on Sunday because Matt Harvey continues to be Matt Harvey. He didn't make it through three full innings, but both the Kansas City Royals, you do have quite a few guys that do a solid job of being able to reach base. Cam Gallagher, along with Whit Merrifield, Hunter Dozier, Mikel Franco, all in between a 240 and a 255. You need a little bit more out of guys like Nicky Lopez, Adalberto Mondesi, and then Edward Oliveras. although Oliveras did wind up getting a home run on Sunday. All these guys are hitting a 230 or lower, but you've been able to get Ryan McBroom going. He's hitting more around a 260. Bubba Starlin sitting at 280. You did notice that Jorge Soler wound up getting the day off on Sunday. He should be good to go on this one. He was listed as day-to-day, so I think that he should be a go here. And for the Cleveland Indians, the line with the Shields Jr. may or may not be in the fold in this one. And for the Cleveland Indians, they actually do a good job of reaching base. They're towards the top of the league when it comes to drawing walks. Problem with them is just been hitting with men in scoring position. We saw that rear its ugly head against the Milwaukee Brewers. They wind up stranding seven men on base on Sunday, including having a bases loaded opportunity if you wind up having the over in that game. But you now have a trio of guys that are doing a good job of reaching base. Francisco Lindor, Cesar Hernandez, along Taylor Naquin, all hitting a 260 or higher. And then Fran Mill Reyes 
has really been doing a great job for this team. He's hitting a 315, 377 on base. He's been able to lend some power. You just need a little bit more out of mostly the outfield and the catcher spot is Roberto Perez, Sandy Leon, Hudson Hedges, Oscar Mercado, Greg Allen, who was a part of that San Diego Padres team, so you'd never have to worry about him again. He wound up getting shipped away along with that Mike Clevenger deal, but Carlos Santana, Domingo Santana, all these guys are earning a 220 or lower. It's just been a real hot mess for this team, especially with the outfield and the catcher spots. Meanwhile, with the Kansas City Royals, I do think that they are going to be able to bust out, and I do think that they're going to get to please sack here. I think that this is a spot in which both these teams are going to be able to get a little bit of offense going, and I think that in the end, the Royals should be able to hit the Indians just hard enough because with the Indians, we have seen guys like James Karinchek wind up having a little bit of mortalness in the bullpen for the Indians. They've been doing a very good job with their bullpen for the year and for the Royals because their bullpen has been taxed when Brad Keller gets out of the game. I think that the Indians are going to be able to generate a little bit of something there, but I think that the Royals in the end are going to have just enough to be able to blow it out. So for that reason, we're going to be going with the Royals with the plus price and the total over 915-916 on the betting board is up next you've got yourself the Toronto aka Buffalo Blue Jays and they're going to be playing us in Buffalo to the New York Yankees it's going to be Jordan Montgomery going for the Yankees meanwhile Hinjin Roo is going to be going for the Toronto Blue Jays if you're looking at the Jays you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 135 minus 145 meanwhile your plus price here with the Yankees is anywhere between plus 120 and plus 132 your total on this game is 9 over it is minus 120 and the under is even with Jordan Montgomery it certainly has been a little bit of a rough ride for him. He has been injured over the last couple years. He's finally been healthy this year, but he hasn't necessarily performed well. He has went 2-2 two two with a 5.76 ERA, and his last start is just one to forget. Now, I will say he's given up four walks so far this year, so that's been solid, but last start against the Tampa Bay Rays goes two-thirds of an inning, and he gives up four runs, all of which were earned, including two long bombs. Ladies and gentlemen, that is called not good. Meanwhile, with Ryu, my goodness, he has been good recently. He had a couple rough starts to begin the year, but you take a look at his last five. He has given up one earned run or fewer in each out of his last five. Now, he did wind up giving up two total runs to the Baltimore Orioles, but both of those runs were unearned. He's never really been a high swing and miss guy, but six strikeouts and more in four out of his last five starts. He's really not going past six innings, but he's doing a great job with his command as well. 43 innings, and he has given up 12 walks, but in that time span of his last five starts, two walks or fewer in every last one of them. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a team that they are dealing with a couple of injuries. Randall Gritchick is currently day-to-day. Bobichet continues to be on the 10-day injury list. And Teoscar Hernandez, who is currently tied for the league lead with 14 home runs and is hitting above a 3 hour He was held out of the team's game on Sunday, so you have been noticing that, but you still have quite a few guys that are doing a solid job of being able to reach base. Travis Shaw, Kavan Biggio, Jonathan VR, Vlad Guerrero Jr., along Derek Fisher, all in between a 239 and a 250. Lords Gurriel has really picked it up. He and Rowdy Tellez hitting between a 290 and a 295. You've even been able to get a little bit of something out of lesser-known catcher Caleb Joseph. He's hitting just a 200, but he's actually an upgrade between Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire, who are both hitting a buck 50 or lower. And Joe Panic, no panic here as he's now hitting a 270. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side, what you're able to get out of the New York Yankees. Well, we don't know because they're just so badly banged up. Luke Voigt is falling back to earth a little bit. He's hitting a 270 with 13 home runs, but recently he's been a little bit cold. We're seeing it with the Yankees in general. A combined five runs generated in their last three games. And that came against the poopy Baltimore Orioles. I mean, it is just not good. DJ LeMayu certainly doing a good job of reaching base for this team. He's back and he's hitting a 363 with an on-base percentage hovering right around 400. But then you've got Miguel Anduar, Brett Gardner, Mike Ford, along with Aaron Hicks, Tyler Wade, Glaber Torres, 
Thario Estrada hitting a 230 or lower. You don't expect that from the New York Yankees. Cliff Frazier, along with Mike Talkman, have been solid. For Talkman, 360 on base, 245 batting average. And for Frazier, he's hitting at 275. But man, this is just a depleted team with the New York Yankees. But they are playing in Buffalo. And as we know, the dimensions out there in the city of Buffalo, very, very hitter friendly. I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to generate a little bit of offense. But I think that at the same time, Toronto is going to get to Jordan Montgomery and they're going to hit him hard. So for that reason, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Blue Jays in this spot and riding with this total over as well. 917-918 on the betting board is up next. The Colorado Rockies hit the road to face off against the San Diego Padres. Denelson Lamette going to be going for the pods. Meanwhile, Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is 8. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between minus 110. And even if you're looking at the Colorado Rockies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 175 and plus 185. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the San Diego Padres, anywhere between minus 195 and minus 210 as well you're laying there. And for Denelson Lamette, by and large, his season has been pretty solid for him. During the 2019 season, when he was coming back from surgery, his big issue was command, but so far this year, he has given up 15 walks over the course of 44 and two-thirds innings. That's still a little bit high, but he pairs with it 57 strikeouts. He's only given up five home runs so far this year. Meanwhile, for Kyle Freeland, he got off to a blazing hot start. Recently, it's sort of been coming back on him. He's given up at least three runs in each out of his last three starts, including giving up four runs in two innings against the San Francisco Giants, but I will say this. He is backed up by a bullpen that has been very solid for the Rockies. When it comes to a road bullpen ERA, they're in the top 10 in the big leagues there. And for the San Diego Padres, this is not a team that is getting a whole lot out of the bullpen as Kirby Yates, after he was just absolutely locked down during the 2019 season, has happened himself Emilio Pagan, along with Luis Perdomo, currently on the 10-day injured list. And even though Tommy Pham has been out of the fold, this is a San Diego team that they've just been able to generate a whole bunch of offense. We know that they really went for it at the trade deadline as you currently got Trent Grisham with his on-base percentage of a 350-265 batting average doing a great job there. But then Fernando Tatis Jr., Eric Cosmer, Manny Machado, Mitch Moreland, along with Will Myers, all hitting a 283 or higher for this bunch with Tatis Jr., 15 home runs. That currently leads all baseball. And then you've been able to get a whole lot of something out of Jake Cronenworth. If the season ended right now, I'd probably have him as my National League Rookie of the Year, hitting a 336 there. You need a little bit more out of Jason Castro of Jerickson Profire, but man, this is a very lethal lineup. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, this team certainly does not hit as well on the road as they do at home, but they were able to get a little bit of something against the LA Dodgers. And a big thing for this team is the fact that they're just finding a way to be able to get on base. Remiel Tapia, Trevor Story, two guys are in between a 290 and a 310 at the top of the fold. Charlie Blackman certainly has cooled off from when he was hitting above 400, but he's still hitting a 340, nearly a 400 on base. That's been solid. And then they trade for Kevin Pillar. He, Nolan Arenado, Garrett Hampson, all in between a 257 and a 270. And you got to feel like Arenado is going to be able to come around at some point. And then they've gotten something out of Josh Fuentes. He's hitting well above a 350. He winds up getting his first home run of the season on Sunday. So you've got to like what they're doing there. I do think that the Colorado Rockies have a little bit more of a solid bullpen than the San Diego Padres. They certainly had to dive into it a little bit as Ryan Kesselani did not give the start that they had desired on Sunday Night Baseball. And typically the travel on Sunday Night Baseball affects the team a little bit. But as we know, going from LA to San Diego, not necessarily a Herculean feat. So I don't think that the travel is going to affect the Rockies too much. So for that reason, I'm taking their plus price along with this total over. 919-920 on the betting board is up next. It is going to be the Houston Astros on the road facing off against the Oakland A's. As I was doing my interview with Danny Burke, it was 
turning from it being Chris Bassett to Frankie Montas. As I'm looking at it right now, it is Mr. Montas who's going to be going for the Oakland A's. Meanwhile, Christian Javier going to be going for the Houston Astros. Jones game is 9. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Unders anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Astros, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the A's, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 142 and minus 152. For Montas, things just have not gone well for him recently. He wound up having a very good start to the year. He then had his start pushback in like mid-August, a couple days due to a back injury. He winds up coming back for that first start against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I believe that he had given up nine runs in two innings. I mean, it was just absolutely terrible. That's why he's currently sitting with a 6.06 ERA, despite the fact that in 32 and two-thirds innings, he's only given up four home runs. Command just has not been there for him as much. He now has 18 walks on the year, so that's more than four and a half walks per nine innings. You take a look at what he's done recently. Ever since having that start pushed back due to a back injury. Four plus runs given up in each out of his last three starts, including the last time he wound up going up against the Houston Astros, giving up five runs in three and a third innings. He has walked at least two in every one of those starts, so it has not gone well from there. Meanwhile, for Christian Javier, he's had one hiccup so far this year. That was, ironically enough, against the Oakland A's. In his start against the Oakland A's earlier this year on the road, he gave up five runs over the course of three innings, so I do think that that's fascinating, but when it comes to Javier, his start against Oakland the first time around was during the daytime. During the nighttime out there in Oakland, you've got the marine layer. So that's going to help him out because Christian Javier can sometimes give up a little bit of hard contact. He's a little bit more of a fly ball pitcher. That is indicated by the fact that he's given up eight home runs over the course of 37 and two-thirds innings. But he also has done a good job of being able to get some solid command and being able to limit the amount of damage as well. As he's walked 13 over the course of 37 and two-thirds innings, 34 punch-outs in the process. Now we know this with the Houston Astros. They certainly had to go through that bullpen quite a bit in their double dip on Saturday against the LA Angels because Frambar Valdez decided to eat seven innings. Probably should not have eaten seven innings, but he ate seven innings. They are going to have a relatively fresh bullpen. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, this is a team that they are coming off a game against the San Diego Padres on Sunday in which they went through a couple bullpen arms, but they should have quite a few of their guys available. You should have someone like a Lou Trevino along with Liam Hendricks available for a save. And for the Oakland A's, this is a team that when it comes to the amount of runs that they generate per hit, they're in the top five of the league. And it's a big reason why they've been able to do a solid job this year because you don't have a lot of guys that really busted out for a big batting average. Tommy LaSella, a new acquisition for the team along with Mark Canna and Robbie Grossman are all inning between a 258 and a 272. You've also got Steven Piscotti along with Tony Kemp inning between a 246 and a 256. But Chad Pinder's hitting below the Mendoza line along with Matt Olson. Now I will say this with Olson, despite the fact that he's hitting a buck 95, 10 home runs so far this year, but Marcus Simeon has been out of the fold recently. Ramon Laureano ever since he came off his suspension. Ironically enough that he picked up against the Houston Astros, he's been hitting below the Mendoza line for the year. He's hitting a 221, but a 362 on base, which I find to be very intriguing. Catcher's spot in general for this Oakland A's team has not been solid. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Houston Astros. This is a team that they've been able to generate quite a few runs recently. At least five runs have been scored by this team in each out of their last five games, but they are now having to play without Jose Altuve along with Alex Bregman. George Springer has been able to pick it up a little bit, but he's still hitting a 230. It's really been some of the ancillary guys that have been able to step up for this team. I'm talking about Martin Mel. Maldonado along with Josh Reddick getting between a 255 and a 260. And for Maldonado, north of a 380 on base. Now, Jack Mayfield has not been very good along with 
Abraham Toro and Aledmiz Diaz. All these guys are hitting a 220 or lower. Miles Straw is very close on their heels at a 230. Every one of their on base percentages is a 277 or lower. But Yoli Gurriel, Michael Brantley, along with Kyle Tucker and Carlos Correa, all hitting at minimum a 274. And for Brantley, he has been absolutely huge. He has been able to give this team a couple home runs since coming off the injured list. That is something that is boding very well for them. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game because guys like Andre Scrub and company, who should be rested and available after they want him not pitching on Sunday, should be able to land a couple of decent innings. You wind up getting Brad Peacock back to the fold. I have to think that he might be used as a starter at some point, but at the very least, you now have some guys that are available for the Houston Astros to be able to eat some innings. I think that Javier is going to be able to do a little bit of a better job at the nighttime in Oakland rather than his last start during the daytime. So for that reason, we're going to be taking the Houston Astros in this spot and we're going to be taking this total under and we are going to be wrapping things up with 921, 922 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road face off against the San Francisco Giants. Kevin Gosman going to be going for the Yantes. Meanwhile, Zach Gallen is going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. If you're taking a look at the Snakes, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Yantes, you're going to be finding them anywhere between even and minus 110. Your total on this game is 8 over and under. Are both at minus 110 with Zach Gallen. We were talking about it with our good buddy... Danny Burke. The fact that he's only 1-0 right now is obscene. Two runs or fewer given up in all eight of his starts. Buck 80 ERA. I mean, this guy has been absolutely masterful, but we know this with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Archie Bradley, Andrew Chafin now out of the bullpen. I will say Stefan Kicktrin has had his moments of being halfway decent, but man, it's really hard with this bullpen, especially with Toronto really being one of the top bullpen arms for this team. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, whenever you bring in Trevor Gott, that's pretty much automatically a few runs. And for the Giants, they've been one of the top over teams at home so far this year. For Kevin Gosman, he has been pretty solid. 4.43 ERA for the season, but in the starting role, it's more like a 4-ish ERA. You take a look at what he's done recently, it has been relatively solid. He has given up three earned runs or fewer in all but one of his appearances since the beginning of August. He did have one appearance in which he gave up four runs, but only three of which were earned, so he has been doing a good job there. And when you take a look at him at home, he actually has some pretty demonstrative splits. It's on the road, more around a 3.48 ERA that includes a start at Coors. Meanwhile, at home, it's more around a 5.40. I don't know why, but San Francisco Francisco has been playing very hitter friendly so far this year, so I think that that has been something to really watch out for, though I will say 33 punch outs so far this year and his four, four home starts are very good. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, obviously this is a team that they have not gotten a lot of offense generated. Three runs or fewer in 12 out of their last 16 games, but I will say this. You saw a part of the Marte Parte. Get down Marte is hitting above a 300. Now, he has been in and out of the fold the last couple days, but you still have a couple guys that are able to get on base. David Peralta being the main one, hitting a 280. Christian Walker wound up getting the day off on Sunday, but he's been able to generate a very similar average. And Nick Amon is hitting a 241. And then you've got quite a few guys that, well, they need to pick it up a little bit as you've got Carson Kelly, Josh Roas, Stephen Voigt, Jake Lamb, John Jay, Dalton Varsho, all hitting below a 200, and Eduardo Escobar. Congratulations, you avoid the list because you're hitting a 204. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, this has certainly been a high-powered offense. Austin Slater, Donovan Solano, Mikey Stremski, Evan Longoria, Wilmer Flores, along with Brandon Belt, are all hitting a 285 or higher, and you can throw in there Mauricio Dubon as well. That has been very good for this team. Joey Bart is hitting a 265, along with Darren Ruff. Austin Dickerson hitting more around a 270. So you've got bats upon bats. I do think that if there is an opportunity for Zach 
Zach Allen give up three plus runs. It is here, but we also know this with the San Francisco Giants. This is a bunch that they were able to get a very solid start out of Johnny Cueto on Sunday, but this is a bullpen that you really can't rely upon. Tony Watson has been doing a good job of being able to close things out for this team, and you are able to rely upon Tyler Rogers as well, but both wound up getting used in the team's win on Sunday. I think that the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be able to bust out here with Kevin Gosman. He does a good job of being able to get swings and misses, but he hasn't performed the same at home as he has on the road. So for that reason, going to be going with the Arizona Diamondbacks and this little over. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Monday. A big thanks to Danny Burke of VEASAN for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have a question for the podcast, fire it in my Twitter timeline at GRS41. Hopefully you're all safe, healthy, and doing well, and I will talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us.